Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan presents the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. No, it sounds funny, but I just can't stand the pain. Well, I'm leaving you tomorrow. Seems to me, girl, you know I've done all. See a big stone and I bought Yeah. That's why I'm easy. I'm easy like Sunday morning. There it is. Easy like Sunday morning edition of the Dan Jacobs Show. Boy, beautiful weather here in the Mile High City. Sydney Cora behind the glass. How are you, Miss Cora? I'm good. How are you? Good. How was the the uh, Rockies Yankees last weekend? It was packed, so we I was wrong. It was completely packed, and um, it was hot. And I was on the first baseline, and it's like if you're going to a day game, just don't buy tickets on the first baseline. I know the Rockies dugout is there, but it was pretty miserable. Yeah, it um, it was it was packed to the gills, pretty much. Uh, all we, all three games for that set, and then I was noticing same thing with the Astros because we're, you know, we had the debate with. And we're not going to go back into the entire debate with with we had with DMac. DMac kind of wanting you basically have to like pass some sort of test to be considered a Rockies fan. Uh, he's just not happy. Just 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 the fact that you showed up and put some money down to go into the stadium into the ballpark is not good enough for Mister DMac. Like he's like like how is it even possible where you, where you can be a rocky snob, but apparently DMac is a rocky snob, and just the fact that you show up and Will Peterson's kind of in this group too. He's like they they call it the best bar in all of Denver, the biggest bar in Lodo or something like that. It's like all all fifty thousand people or forty five thousand people that are going down there are just going down there to have margaritas or something. Like which is come on man, let's let's go let's 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 be realistic. Uh, so, yeah, they, they've actually overtaken now the Boston Red Sox in the MLB attendance rankings, the Colorado Rockies. I mean, think about that. I mean, Boston is a huge city, and that's all we've heard about is Fenway and this and that. And the Rockies, who I don't know, actually, after this week, I don't know that they are going to lose 100 games. I don't know that they're going to be worse this year. Somehow, like, they've gone on a little run. I think they've won they're like five and five in the last ten, and despite all the the injuries and adversity they've faced this year, they're actually playing decent baseball right now. So I don't know that they actually are going to lose a hundred games, but despite the fact they're having one of their worst seasons, they're actually doing quite well in the attendance, and they just overtook Beantown in the MLB attendance ranking. I know Dante Gomez wanted to take a victory lap on that because there was. He took he took umbrage. Now it's weird because Dante, kind of getting the reputation as one of the resident villains on the station, kind of poking the bear at all things Denver. Early on, took umbrage with this idea. I think it's just because he's he's in general a baseball apologist, but he took umbrage after the opening weekend numbers or the first week or two, the numbers 
for attendance at Coors Field, there was an article. I don't remember who wrote it, if it was Andrew or who, who wrote it or if it was James. Somebody wrote an article saying, Rockies fans have had enough. They're voting with their pocketbooks and they're not showing up to Coors Field. And Dante's point was there were, there were a lot of contributing factors as to why opening day and things like that, the attendance was down. Weather was, I think, midweek, you know, quality of opponent, things like that. And attendance was a little soft to start the season for the Rockies. It wasn't necessarily an indication that Rockies fans were throwing up their hands in the air and, and protesting. And sure enough, now they have, now that the weather's cleaned up, the school's out, and it's summertime, it is full rocky season, so to speak, no matter the, what the product on the field is, people are in full force. And, and I, I was looking, they have a, definitely have a shot at finishing in the top 10 in attendance here this season. So uh, glad you had a good time, Miss Cora, out there at the ballpark, even if you're a little toasty. Yeah, oh yeah, I was burnt up. Burnt up, yeah. yeah. Well, you got you to you do it right there. That, that's, that's like what was funny. Like, before they got Tom Brady, you would go to a Bucks game. And they were smart. Like, they knew, the fans knew which part of the stadium had sun, which had shade, and didn't. Um, but um, they, so there would be banners for the Tampa Bay Bucks. This was during the Jameis Winston era, right? Like, banners everywhere. People flying their Bucks flags on their car, bumper stickers all over town. People, t- you know, love the Bucks, so to speak. But you would go to the game, and in the entire like these are prime seats, the middle section around the fifty-yard line of the Bucks Stadium would be empty just because it's too hot. They're like, "Yeah, no, no, thanks. We'll, we'll watch on TV," which is you know problematic for a, a lot of football now. Somebody said it also rained for two months straight, and it's an open-air ballpark like a, like every other one. Yeah, that was one of the things Dante was bringing up. Uh, one of the things I thought I brought up as well is, yeah, now that, now that the weather is nice and it's summer, kids aren't in school, it's a chance to get out there without, you know, it's a chance to be outside and feel like you're doing something productive, right? You feel like you're hiking or you're camping or you're doing something, some sort of actual meaningful form of exercise even though you're just sitting in a ballpark doing nothing, right? You feel like you feel like you're doing something moderately healthy because you're outside. You're just in the air. You're getting some sunshine. You're getting your. Um, although actually, this is surprising because what do you get? What do you get from the sun? Vitamin D. You would think, okay, you're out there getting all sorts of vitamin D, but my doctor told me actually this time of year, you would think, well, it's sunniest, so you would get the most vitamin D. Not true. However, the science on this works is uh, actually the spring. And then I guess there was another time, like maybe right before fall or something like that, or in the fall, you actually get more of the, I don't know, I think it's ultraviolet rays or whatever that bring you more vitamin D than actually in the uh, sunniest times of the year, right in the heart of the summer. So it's kind of interesting. Um, Somebody, uh, this is Phil from Aurora, says, I know there are baseball fans here. But protests won't change anything because there are too many people that like the experience of Coors Field and the scenery. Well, that's true, but the the reality is, once we gifted the, gave the, them a windfall of Coors Field, uh, not Coors Field, but of McGregor Square, that ship sailed. Now that it, because the logic here is, well, if you protested and people didn't show up to Coors Field, maybe you could have made a difference. But now that we've gifted them this windfall. 
the Monfords don't need the money anymore, I'm sure. Like, you, you know, you, you'd have to protest, like, there'd have to be, like, 5,000 people a game for, like, two or three straight years for really to make a big difference for the Monforts. So, yeah, that ship has sailed. Could it have worked at one point throughout the Rockies' history? It absolutely could have because there was a time throughout the history of this ownership when they absolutely were sensitive to people coming through the gates. Like, they needed every penny. Like, I've talked about that. Like, like when Jerry McMorris and his owned the team, was controlling the team, was kind of the managing partner, and his trucking company was failing, like, they were actively managing the roster based on cash receipts. So the fans at one point did have the ability to influence the thinking of ownership and you know be you know, persuasive at one point in my opinion once we and we we didn't do it our unfortunately the the quasi elected government officials that are in charge of the metro district once they decided to gift essentially gift the the team which was then stripped by the rockies ownership and their friends a essentially an entire city block right next to the stadium the ballpark and give them the rights to develop that for 99 years or whatever it was like the money became an issue no longer. Like, like what are you going to do? Okay. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to boycott. Well, they're still going to make all their money that they're making off of McGregor square. Like they, the money's not the issue anymore. So it's not going to affect it. It was like that way when I was in Kansas city. Um, and this was right before they, I don't know how they, they remedied this. And I don't even know if it was under the same owner, but they got because they actually fixed it and won a World Series. What was that? Ten years ago or whatever. But when I was there during law school, they were owned by a guy that was not a Walmart heir, but like a former Walmart executive. The Royals were, and he had it dialed in. Like it didn't matter because it's a similar situation. They love baseball in Kansas City. Like you'll be sitting there in the middle of summer and you think it's a Chiefs town, right? Like when I first moved to Kansas City to go to law school. It was insane. Like, you turn on the sports radio there, and they were doing, they were recapping the Royals drafts from, like, 10 years ago when they had drafted Johnny Damon or something like that. I was like, are you guys for real? You guys are talking about 10-year-old baseball drafts and training camps coming up in a few weeks? Like, it was insane. And that owner had it figured out. Like, he says... No matter what happens, no matter how bad the product on the field is, he was going to make $11 million a year in profit. He didn't have to invest anymore. It was never a situation like, well, if the team's so bad that people are not going to show up and I'm going to lose money, therefore I have to invest more. Like, it just never – he just knew. He had it down to a science. Like, I'm going to profit. Over 10 years, I'm going to make, what, over $110 million. Every single year. So there was just, it just didn't matter. No matter what happened in Kansas City, they loved the team so much, he was just going to make money. And it's the same thing here now, especially, and it's just worse because once we gave away McGregor Square, we gave away that asset and gave it to them. Uh, the sad thing is that the McGregors were able to pilfer all that money. And they, it's, it, it was, from what I could tell, the Metro District signed the lease with the team for the rights to develop McGregor Square to develop that block, and the ownership came in and just said, hey, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to take that 
personally and with our friends and develop that. And that's the sad part. So it does. It didn't wind up in a greater investment in the team. And now we can spend with the big boys because we have all the money now and we can be more competitive and things like that. It just never bore out that way. So it is what it is. The Rockies are going to be what they are until something else happens. It, it, it just kind of it is what it is. Just just re, you got to kind of be resigned to what to what it is. As fans, we're not going to be able to influence influence it. May get worse once the TV deal implodes after this year. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe that's maybe that'll be a venue for change. I don't know. But yeah, it is what it is. It's it's nice to go down there, have a good time. No use wringing your hands about it. You know, the, the Rockies are what they are. And, you know, baseball in general is, you know, I, I don't get worked up over baseball. Anyway, they sold their soul after 1994 when they almost killed the sport over money. So then they said, we're going to fake. We're going to make this a fake sport. We're going to we're going to essentially turn this into professional wrestling. It's going to be sports entertainment. It's no longer a legitimate professional contest or competition. We're going to juice the players. We're going to juice the ball. We're going to juice the stadiums. We're going to make this more about home runs, and we're going to sell out the integrity of the game. So I, I, I tapped out a while ago as far as that stuff goes. So for the Rockies, just take what you enjoy with the Rockies, and that's it. There's no, there's no real reason to get upset about it. Go down there. Like, like, wouldn't you rather be one of the people that enjoys the Rockies than sits there and gets upset about them? Honestly, like, like Sydney, you had a good time, right? Yeah, I did have a good time. It is what it is. And they actually won Sunday, right? They did. Yeah, it was a cool game, too. It went into, like, 12 innings, I think, and then they won on a walk-off, I believe. Yeah. Well, I left right before that happened. So. You left right before it happened. <laughs> and you're wearing a Yankees hat, by the way, so I don't know how I'm a Yankees fan. That, so. So. See, the Rockies spoiled your Yankees fandom for the day. Which so. I'm happy about. You if are the, if, if the Rockies, because I'm a Rockies fan first. Oh, you are? Yeah. Okay, well, so that's good to if know. If the Rockies are winning, like, it's good. All right. Well, very nice. Very nice. Okay, so. Um, all right, so that was that. A uh, couple things. I'll get you an update on a couple things that happened yesterday. A couple scientific things. I did go see the movie Oppenheimer with the Firstborn. We can talk about that. Uh, there was an update I meant to get into yesterday with the in-laws that I failed to get to because we got so busy and then I want to get into this topic. Are the Broncos moving to solely a made-for-TV product? We'll get to that coming up next. Taking a break from laying down the law in the courtroom to lay down the law in the sports world, here's Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Jacob's show. I'm just keeping an eye on the British Open. Now this, or the, the Open Championship. This should not be much drama here, but uh, Kim is down, I, He's right now he's down four. And he's on the 18th hole, which is a par five. Now he didn't have the greatest tee shot in the world, but if he, he can get to eight, well, conceivably, if he smokes it, and I, and I 
I think I saw, Dante and I were talking about this, it looked like he said that was a 609-yard par 5. Now, I could be wrong there. But anyway, that's what it looked like to me. Um, but if he eagles it, there there is some drama there. That that could be some drama. Um, but anyway, he could pull within three would be a more likely thing. And then the leader, Brian Harmon, is at minus 11. Looks like he's got about four holes left to play. So there could be a little bit of drama as we round that out. Now, I did take a look because we had our friend Kevin Laura from the Colorado Open, which is finishing up today over at Green Valley Ranch. So I just take a, a, a peek at the leaderboard because we had him on last week to see because this is this was fascinating to me. Because what would you decide to do if you were in David Duvall's shoes? You could go because I think he's got what three or four left as a past champion. David Duvall, when he was a very young man, won the British Open or the Open Championship, right? And so he gets past champion status exemptions. Now he has to pay his way over there. And he's not playing good golf, and so he's not going to make the cut, more than likely. And it's going to cost him a bunch of money to go over there. And, you know, David Duvall's you know, house famously went into foreclosure in Cherry Hills many years ago. So I don't know his exact financial position, but, you know, he could look at it from, you know, and I don't know if he gets endorsement deals to go over there. I don't know what it looks like for him. But, you know, possibly he could be looking at it from the point of view that, okay, I'm going to spend a bunch of money to go over to the British Open, not make any money at least from the field because I'm not going to I'm not going to make the cut or I could stay home and play with my son Brady in the Colorado Open and that's exactly what David Duvall elected to do so he played in the Colorado Open this week he did not make the cut and his son Brady who's a young young amateur I think was 16 over for the tournament but David Duvall actually played fairly well I mean for where he's at in his golf journey. I mean, David Duvall is a fascinating story. Former number one player in the world. I believe he's a two. I, actually, I think he, that was the only, I think that was the only major he won. I think last week I was saying he was a three-time major winner. I think he actually only won the one, but he came in second in like the Masters and some other ones. Former number one player in the world. Had the massive contract with, at the time, Nike. And it was supposed to be him and Tiger Woods going head-to-head for the next 15 years. And then he just had some sort of mental implosion. All sorts of rumors about what maybe something happened physically. And he just never got his mojo back ever again. So now last weekend, he's faced with a choice. Going to play in a major, which only get a few more cracks. Because what Kevin was saying is, I don't know exactly how old David Duvall is. I think he's around 56 years old. Um, he will have an exemption until he's the age of 60 years old. And so he said, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm not playing the Colorado Open. So he's he finished up. I think the cut for this year's Colorado Open was minus two. And David Duvall, after his two rounds, finished plus one. Which, a lot better than I could do. Um, so it wasn't wasn't too bad for him. So that was a fascinating story. I kept an eye on that. And then uh, the British Open, it's kind of nice. They're actually going to probably finish here in the next couple hours while we're doing the show. Again, probably not going to be a lot of drama, but we'll find out here on this final hole. As um, Actually, there are a couple guys here that have a, few, a couple holes left that are, um, well, Harmon actually just birdied 14. So um, now he's got a five-stroke lead. So probably not going to be a whole lot of drama 
as uh, this finishes out, but you never know. That's just kind of the way golf goes. Uh, all right, so a couple science things. So I went out last night. I did go see um, the movie Oppenheimer, highly scientific. Um, it was a good movie. It was about three hours long. Um, so I wasn't expecting it to be that hardcore for that long. Um, there were a couple exciting moments, like, you know, when they blew up a bomb. That was kind of exciting. But outside of that, it was really just kind of a cerebral movie. But it, it actually, they did a good job, a uh, good job of, um, you know, making it interesting all the way through, considering it was such a long movie. And my daughter went with me. She came into town um, exactly to watch that movie with me. We've been talking about it um, for um, this purpose for a little, for quite a while. So uh, interesting. We liked it. Had some Einstein in it. Had this guy Oppenheimer. Actually, I got to be honest with you. I had no idea who Oppenheimer was. I actually thought the Oppenheimer Fund had something to do with him. Apparently, it doesn't. Uh, so it was fascinating to learn about this guy. Um, he he got kind of glossed being the father of the atomic bomb, even though he really wasn't uh, that type of thing. So interesting. All right. So on the text line here. Uh, Dan, sunlight does not give you vitamin D. You get vitamin D through your diet. Your body cannot absorb vitamin D without sunlight. Thought you said you had a PhD. No, I've never said I had a PhD. I'm a doctor. I'm not a PhD, though. I'm a Juris doctor. I've never said I had a PhD. But, yeah, isn't vitamin D where they say you get your sun, you know, during those times? I mean, actually... The sun does help you get the vitamin D. Now, you're, you're parsing words. Uh, you're, you're, you're very high in semantics. So what you're saying, Texter, if I'm understanding you correctly, is you don't get the vitamin D from the sun, but you can't absorb it without the sunlight. Correct? So you need the sunlight to get the vitamin D. So we're kind of speaking the same language. What my point was, was that my doctor had said, my medical doctor, who's not a Ph.D., he, he's a medical doctor, says, so you would think the sunniest times of the year, you would get the most vitamin D. You would absorb, to make the texture happy, the most vitamin D, which apparently is not true. It's not true at all because there are other times of the year that are not quite as sunny that you, you absorb more vitamin D. So there you go. See, we, we aim to educate here on the Dan Jacobs Show. Now, yesterday I was going to give the update, the grounding update. I've been meaning to do this every week, and we get, because you guys go crazy already. Even when I was talking about on the drive, people were texting in. They're like, Dan, I went out and got my grounding mat. This is one of those things that on the show, I wasn't sure if I should talk about it. Because, like, I don't know, it's kind of embarrassing. You're doing this kind of kooky, you know, weird thing. It's called earthing or grounding. And we talked about it at length about how the the idea is. I actually mentioned it to my new doctor this week. She's like, oh, I've kind of heard of that. Like, she wasn't really on board with it. But I mean, she was like, oh, she didn't poo-poo it. But the idea is that there's a natural grounding energy uh, source of health that comes up from the earth that we normally would have been exposed to many years ago. But the you know, once we started um, wearing rubber sole shoes, we started blocking out all that natu the, the natural health benefits we should be getting from the earth. And so I saw this thing and I decided to um, try this. And I actually did the rig at my house and my wife and I immediately saw huge results. Massive results. Like my knees, which are normally swollen to 
twice the size of the softball, shrunk immediately visually the next day, and things like that. And so what we've done now, though, is so what originally we had done was I had driven a grounding rod into the side of my house, you know, the dirt on the side of my house, run this wire through the window, all that stuff. And it was it was good. Now, a lot of people say, was it a placebo effect? Dan, maybe you're, you're just thinking you're getting the benefits because you want to believe that you're getting the benefits of all this. Well, that may be true. However, I noticed that over the course of a month or two that I was doing this this way, because what you do is you run the wire and you attach it to, you run this metallic duct tape across your bed and you attach the wire to it, right? So all this energy gets conducted through and then touches your skin and you get it through through the course of the night when you sleep. I noticed through various points that I, because one of the benefits was I wasn't getting tired during the day, right? Like I wasn't, you know, sometimes you get that middle of the day, you're like, dude, I got to take a nap. Like I'm just exhausted. That went away when I started doing this. Or the pain in my knees had gone away. At various points, I started to experience those symptoms again. I'm like, well, what's going on? Is this thing not working? And I went back to my bed, I pulled back the sheets, and there were breaks in the tape. You see, it's a metal tape, and it it, it, it can crack, it can break. And sh- so that would not be a, you know, that would that would be an indication that it was not a placebo effect, that um, that my body didn't know, since my body did not know that the tape was broken, that I was actually experiencing a real effect of this. So what we did was, we can get out, and this is what some of you guys have said, um, that um, you can just buy the grounding mats. And some of you guys have done this where you can just plug this in your wall. You don't have to do the whole setup outside your window and all that stuff. So we've done that. And now, yesterday, so my, my what is it, 56 years, my in-laws have um, celebrated their 56th anniversary. So my wife got them a grounding mat. And it'll be, intro, you know, it goes on your bed. It's a, you know, pad. So, so we switched over to that. I'm not sure if I like that as much. But we'll see. Um, we'll see if they use it. So, um, see what else we have here. Hi, Dan. Glad to see you like the movie. We're thinking about watching it this week. Yeah, I'd say the Oppenheimer movie is worth checking out. And I got to go. I got to go see the Mission Impossible movie this week. And I got to go see the. Um, I'm still thinking about seeing the Anna Jones movie as well. Uh, I signed up for the old movie pass. You, you got something, Dante? You're you're in here. I don't know. Can can we get Dante's mic? You're over there. You're in my peripheral vision. You're making grand gestures. No, I was just curious if you're going to see Barbie. Uh, my wife and uh, daughter went and saw Barbie. I know you saw Barbie. What did you think? I have not seen it. You haven't uh, seen I'm going it yet. to. I'll see it. I want to yeah. see that in Oppenheimer. Um, I don't know about together. It seems a little like a long day of movies, but I've heard it, I've heard it's good. Now, do you? So Orlando was talking about this. I actually do. So I actually signed back up for Movie Pass. I like going to a movie, middle of the week, when nobody's in there, nobody's bothering me. I can go in and just watch a movie. I pretty much exclusively go by myself. <clears throat> yeah. Um, especially now that I have uh, a lot of time to lay around. Yeah, that's your not really, Yeah, exactly. Not a lot to do, so I've been going to movies a lot as of late. I think I might sign up. I used to have, um, was moviepass.com a thing? That's what I have now. Okay. Yeah, so, so it was moviepass, right? So that was this great thing where you could go to as many movies as you wanted. Right, it was twenty. I think now I may only be paying ten bucks a month. Maybe it's twenty bucks a month, and you can do different levels, right? Because now they're doing it on credits. But Movie Pass was awesome, and I went all the time. And then they were like, 
this model, there's no way it's going to work because they were, what they were trying to do was sell your data. No, so what I did, I signed up for it. I'm not kidding. A month later, they went out of business. Yeah. So I got one month of the movie pass. And then this was in like what, like 20, probably like 17 ish, 2016, somewhere 15, in there. Somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. So I signed up for it. And like a month later, they went out of business. Yeah. I did the yearly pass and I'm like, it's great. But then they kept changing the rules because what they thought was, because they were literally just paying the movie theater for your ticket. And they thought, well, yeah, but we can sell your data. Because then the more movies you go to, like, we'll know how old Dante is. We'll know what gender he is. We'll know all of his preferences. We'll know what he likes. And we'll know, and we'll be able to mine all this data for all these users and then sell it to all these, you know, companies. And it just never worked out. I don't know why it imploded, but it imploded. Well, now it's back. I did not realize it was back, so I'm going to have to look into that because I've been going a lot lately. And there's been some good stuff out. I saw Mission Impossible the other day. It was pretty good. I'm you not even it? like an Mission Impossible guy. Like I haven't, I've seen maybe half of the ones that have come out. Right. Um, but yeah, I thought it was good. I thought that was good. And then I'm excited to see Oppenheimer and Barbie too. Yeah, Oppenheimer's good. Um, so wait, you didn't get the invite to Barbie, or was it just like a girl's like? I was not invited because I had to stay home with. Uh, we have a, a smaller child uh, who's not allowed to. Uh, apparently, because we thought it was going to be like she was excited, she was going to see it. And then once we got closer to the movie, we realized it's not a kid-friendly movie. No, I heard it has, like, some older themes of, like, womanhood and that kind of stuff to it. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a feminist movie, things like that. I don't know. I'm not I'm not going to see it. You know, you don't want to get those ideals in, you know, in your youngest, right? Well, my 15-year-old went and saw it. No, I was just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. It doesn't interest me. But, yeah, I probably will take in the Indiana Jones. See, my wife has instituted a mandatory day-off policy for me. So Mondays are, and I still sneak in a little bit of work, but because I'm working here on, you know, this show, um, you know, both Saturdays and Sundays, at least, you know, in the football off season. And then I, you know, had been grinding it out. You know, we got the new law firm every day during the week. She's like, Dan, you got to take a day off. So I've actually only done one so far. It was fantastic. I have taken one Monday off. That was a, a few Mondays ago. And then we went on vacation. So last Monday I was like, ah, I still got to work. Um, What's a day in the life of Dan on a day off? So tomorrow I will get up. Uh, I'm probably going to try and go to the gym. Around what time are you waking up? Uh, if all goes well, 4.45. And then I'm going to go over here to the boxing gym, do the boxing class, right? Uh, come back, probably mow the lawn because the, the lawn's you know pretty jungly. And then uh, get showered up. Well, I don't know if I'll shower or not. I'll probably shower up. Um, and then take the daughter to swim class. And then as she's done with the swim class, then I will swim with her for a couple hours, bring her home, dump her off on my other daughter who's going to babysit her, and then I will probably go to a movie. Sounds like a lovely day. And then I'll probably go, see, I just got my, dude, this thing's awesome. I got a, got a half hog from Deer Trail Meat Co. <laughs> I don't know what to cook. Like this, There's so many choices. I'll take whatever if you have any uh, extra part of that. You hog. don't know how to cook anything. You're like, I'll just no, put salt I'm a, No, no, I'll take your cooked... Oh, okay. whatever. <laughs> whatever you make, I'll be a you know a good taste test for it. Yeah, I, I so I'm probably gonna you know grill up something, some sort of pork. I, I just don't even know what to probably. They have the best pork chops. I'll probably just do some pork chops or something like that. And um, so there we go. Um, let's see here. Um, I hope you realize how truly blessed you are, Dan. Any grown man that can talk about afternoon naps is living a very blessed life. Well, you're. Tr it, it's absolutely true. I'm very blessed. I'm very. Um, I'm not going to argue with you there. I, now, but don't take that to mean that I 
take naps every day because I don't have that opportunity to take a nap every day. But I, I feel like when I'm not grounding, like I feel like I need to take a nap because I'm just sometimes I get that exhausted. Uh, You're convinced me this life isn't that bad. Here I always thought, you know, wife and kids is like, ah, not for me, but seems like you got a pretty. You'll get there eventually. You'll, you'll get there eventually. It's like the, like they say in the movies, like, right, you don't you, you don't want to be the Fonz 50 years old trying to, you know, hit on chicks in the club. Right, you don't you don't want to be doing that forever. Yeah, but I mean, your day isn't too dissimilar from my days off. I kind of, I mean, minus the kids' swimming class, but right, pretty similar. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, well, because the wife said, "I want you to do something." Just you need to recharge. You don't need to be doing. Although I am, you know, taking the daughter. But for me, for me, that was one of the things in life where I was like, man, because so. One of my favorite things as a kid was so I was raised by my grandfather. He is kind of like this grounding thing. So I guess it's not a surprise that I'm doing the grounding. My grandfather thought that there was something to the ocean and being surrounded in by all the life in the ocean. So every day he would come home from work. We would jump in the car and kids in the neighborhood could jump in the car. We would go. We would jump in, go to the beach and jump in the water. He would swim and exercise. We would just play around and have fun. Um so for me, it was a kind of a cool thing in life, you know, because remember, I started over like I was working in radio, making no money. Um, and then I went to law school and I was 33 years old. So like I didn't start making not that I'm rich now, but making any money till later in life. Um, and so when I was able to, you know, get to a, and by the way, we have a, I'm not bragging because we have a very tiny house. We're very modest, but we have a pool. We have a, a, a nice neighborhood pool. And so that's one of the things I really enjoy is that. I get to take my kids to the pool. Now, Dante, you grew up in Arizona, and you're like, where are all the pools out here? Every every house has a pool. You're not even rich to have a pool, right? No, every house. I mean, you draw, or uh, when you're flying into uh, Phoenix, you look out the window, every house has a pool pretty much. Right. And so, but for me, it's a real treat. It's something I really enjoy to be able to take my kids, and which is a shame is they love it up to a certain age, and they're without fail. They get to be about 13, and they're like, checked out. But for me... It's a great source of joy to take my daughters to the pool. And so for me on my day off, that'll be fun tomorrow. You know, she gets to learn how to swim, and then we'll, we'll, we'll spend like an hour or two. Problem is the kids, they're never, there's never enough pool time. Like, you know, she'll, she'll spend nine hours at the pool if you let her. Yeah. Real quick, before we move on, I had a quick joke to get in, but uh, my Go dad ahead. also believed in grounding. Really? Oh, there we go. No, I meant more in the... Like ground ball? Oh, grounding you, yes. You got ground. You were a very grounded child. Yes, yes, in terms of getting in trouble. Yes, one of the texters said that. Well, I didn't know because your dad was a baseball guy. I didn't know if you were talking about ground balls or whatever. Um, <laughs> I like this. See, it's insulting, but I like it. Dan, will the grounding technique help negate the side effects of listening to your radio show? Listening to your show, I often experience confusion, dizziness, and erectile dysfunction. <laughs> there we go. Um, I like that. Uh, sports show, food channel. We haven't even talked about food that much today. We talked about, I got some pork. That's about it. We talked more about grounding and, um, going to the movies and stuff like that. But we will talk about, speaking of this, are the Broncos becoming a solely made for TV product? We're going to talk about that coming up next. Jury Executioner. Okay, that got really dark fast. Now back to his honor, Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station, 1043, The Fan.
All right. So this idea that the Broncos, we got this. There was a Jeff Legwald article on ESPN.com kind of uh, giving cover to the Broncos. Giving, And you can go to DenverSports.com and I think James Merrillat kind of has his take on it as well. That all oh, the Broncos, because right now it looks like it's going to be a little bit of a ticket fiasco, right? Um, the, you know, as far as training camp. Like, I think the crowds are going to be exceptionally small uh, because there will be a lot of unused tickets. Now, I know, I, I actually agree with Matt Smith on this, right? Like, if you got a free ticket and you decide not to go, are you going to bother? One, are you going to be aware of the fact that you, um, can turn in your ticket, turn it back so somebody else can use it. And um, are you even going to bother even if you are aware of it? Like, probably not, right? Like, you know, you signed up for your four tickets, and if you can't go that weekend or whatever, you're probably going to just be like, oh, well, we didn't make it. And if you don't know of anybody else that would like to use them, they're probably going to go unused. Now, some of this is it's not even an issue because – There are very few training camp practices where, like, especially since they've been bad, like, they're very sparsely attended except for, like, some of the weekends, right? But um, this article came out from Jeff Legwald that was talking about, um, oh, it's not the Broncos' fault that the – it was the the fire marshal saw a tweet, somebody – somebody – there was a tweet the Broncos put out last year. Hey, we had 71,000 fans or 71, yeah, 1,000 fans. Thank you, Broncos country, something like that. And then somebody, you know, somebody had to kill all the joy and he sent it to the fire marshal and says, ah, it looks like a lot. And then the final fire marshal took a look and said, um, well, I guess you better come take a closer look at this. Now, um, I, Typically, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but I'm calling BS all over the place on this. This was, um, I, I, I don't know the motivations. Am I skeptical of a lot of things Sean Payton does? Do I? Uh, absolutely. Because um, now I don't know this for certain. I've, I've heard this at length at other media outlets that this is now being used as a way to kind of shut out the media even more, right? Like, I don't know that. I guess I won't speak entirely on that until I get official word on that. But that's what other media organizations are going with, is that um, the media is being cut off even more. And I've talked about this on the show before. The media is the conduit to the fans, right? But if you're sh- – coaches um, – I'm trying to say, put this politely, but coaches don't care about the fans. Like, like these maniacal coaches – and I like Sean Payton. Like, I, I cannot be more clear. I can't say it enough. I think Sean Payton is the is what they needed to turn the product around, and I think that he's at least going to get them back to respectability. Now, absent an elite quarterback, do I know, do I know that he's going to get them to a championship level? That I don't know. We're going to, and we'll talk about Russell Wilson. We'll, we'll see about figuring that out. But he doesn't like the media. Like, it's weird. Sean Payton's the weirdest thing in the world because he's a very charming guy. He loves to talk. We even heard Zach By talk about at the Nuggets game 
Like Sean, Sean Payton will just be sitting around and talking to people, like introducing himself and talking it up and yucking it up. And, and a lot of celebrities are simply not like that. I've told a story about, I, I, I just love this story, right? Like uh, my buddy had a golf tournament and I'd helped, um, he, had, he had Joel Quinville out there. And um, I'd helped him get Mike Bone, who was the athletic director at the time at University of Colorado. Mike Bone wanted to be a celebrity. He's an athletic director, so it's kind of a quasi-celebrity thing, right? And he's kind of like Sean Payton. like, And and Mike Bone's a big guy. He's gregarious. And he's like, hey, how are you? How are you doing? And he goes up, and he's in a foursome with these guys. And he's like, hey, I'm Mike. I'm Mike Bone. What's your name? He's like, oh, my name's Joel. He's like, well, Joel, what do you do? And he's like, Oh, well, you know, I coach. Oh, what do you coach? Well, I, I, coach, I coach a hockey team. Hey, I'm into, I, you're a coach. Maybe I can help you out. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a, kind of a big deal. What, uh, what, what team do you coach? Um, it's, a, it's a local team. It's called the um, Colorado Avalanche. It was Joel Quinville, right? Joel Quinville, really unassuming, doesn't want the spotlight when he's not doing his job. Wouldn't be, you know, sitting courtside going, hey, everybody, Joel Quinville, how are you doing? You know, like Sean Payton, apparently. And I enjoy watching Sean Payton in front of the microphone. But it's this weird paradox where he seems to like doing it on his terms, but he has an utter contempt for the media. And I think he just views the media as something to manipulate and has no other use. And... What it's looking like is, I mean, training camp, you would hope, would be there for the fans. And the media is there to help get some of that excitement, some of that information to the fans. And it's it's weird. Like, here's the weird thing about, like, Sean Payton. Like, it, Sean Payton and, and, and closing out the media, right? And, and, and my guess is going to be this. And I think we'll get official word Tomorrow, but here here's what other media outlets are saying: is that uh, broadcasting during media, uh, during training camp is going to be kiboshed. Like we're not going to be able to. So I don't know how it's going to shake out. But here's the funny thing: like my gig around here used to be um, managing the relationships with all the sports teams, not just the local ones, but nationally. And I used to always tell these PR guys. Like, I know you don't like putting guys on stations like this, but you really should. Because inevitably what happens is you get positive coverage. Like, it is very rare because, you know what, people are human, right? And it's very rare that a a sports talk show host is not going to be a little geeked out by having a conversation with the Denver Bronco. Like, sitting right there, and a Bronco's sitting, ah, and and they're going to give positive coverage. And... The same thing happens every single year, and I see it all the time. When the media's out there on the field watching, they always have great positive things to say about the team. That's why if they've done studies. Local media always overprojects the expectations for the bad teams. And we're even seeing it here again locally this year. Sean Payton's coming in and taking over a five-win team. 
and I just had uh, James Merrill on yesterday. He's thinking 12 wins, and he's not the only one. And I, I can't remember who. I think it was I think it was DMAC that was just saying, I'm kind of getting on board. I'm kind of getting excited about Russell Wilson. And we they can't help but get sucked in. Like I had a whole long conversation with James yesterday that was saying how great Russell Wilson was his last season in Seattle where he was 6-8. and eight. And they flamed out in the first round of the playoffs. Like, it doesn't, like, you just want to pretend it did exist, right? And we just want to skip over that season and just say last year was an aberration, but we can skip back to three or four years ago when he was good, Russ, right? And that Sean Payton is so good, he's going to come back and just make him good, Russ, again. And I think James was talking about 4,000 yards, 35, 36 touchdowns, and it'll just be back to where he was, which I don't think is realistic. But my point is, the more access you give to the media, the more favorable coverage, especially in this town, they give to your team, and they just get your fans more excited. Now, my personal thing has been that I think it's unfair because then the media sets these high expectations, and then they feel foolish, and then the second part of the season, they kill you, right? They, they come after the team, and then they're calling for people's heads, and you know they turn, they turn on you. And, and which is something that, you know, I think Sean Payton has to be careful about. But I want to, I know we have to hit the top of the hour here. I do, but I want to talk about this. Do sports teams even care anymore? We've, see, we've seen it out of Kroenke, the KSC Kroenke Sports Enterprises, the owner of the Abs and Nuggets. Now, we've actually, I'm going to talk about later in the show how this has actually worked in their favor because I was listening to Matt Smith and Kyle Reese, and they had a, a very good conversation about patience. Um, which I think was valid. But in today's day and age, and is this what we're seeing with this new ticketing policy, do owners of teams even care about the perceptions of the fans anymore, especially for a team like the Broncos? They're going to sell out no matter what. And as long as they get the, the product turned around um, somewhat to be somewhat competitive, just like we were talking about with the Royals, they could be – terrible and they and the guy's still gonna make 11 million dollars a year profit profit do sports owners even need to care or do they want to care about you as the fan anymore we'll talk about that coming up next